You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. What's 30 years of bad feelings between old co-workers? Can't we just talk out our differences? It's Monday night at 7 p.m. and you're with us, and that can only mean that it's time for Mission Log Live. I'm John Champion. And I'm Holly Amos. Tonight we are almost home and reuniting with old frenemies with Star Trek Picard, Episode 5, Imposters. As always, we want to hear from you in the Facebook chat and live with us. You know what to do. Just click on the Zoom link or give us a ring by using the one tap on your smartphone, or you can call us 669-968-33, enter the meeting code and password, and you will see you see in the show notes, and then you'll be in their old green room. Yeah, that's how it works. You all know how it works. And and tonight we should have a very special guest dropping by at the bottom of the hour, so stay tuned for that. And uh all of you are probably waiting at this very moment to get lined up in the Earl Green Room. Probably a whole other conversation going on in there at the moment. But while you're doing that, let's see who is with us tonight in the chat. I already saw some people joining us quite early. Of course, there was Bob Amos, but but speaking for both him and your mom, Holly, they're yeah. both there hanging out watching the show. So that's good. Yes. And you got a probably story. on the up, probably on the big screen. Oh, cool. Even better. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got a story uh, from you a little bit later uh, relevant to tonight's episode. We got Mark. We got Rhea. We got Cosmo. We got Jim. Uh, let's see here. We've got Brett. We've got uh, Scott Palm. Got some notes from Scott. Hopefully can work those into the show tonight. There's Heather. There's David. Uh, let's see. There's other Paul. Uh, let's see. There's uh, Mike. Uh, a bunch of people. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, th- wait. I think we have two Pauls. Maybe we'll have a oh. third. Oh, we got three. We got a Paul uh, Factor. The we have a Paul Factor. Uh, all the way from Japan, Matthew Kameji is watching with us tonight. And uh, my gosh, so many people. There's Jane, Chris Riker. Glad to see everybody there. So uh, awesome. Thank you for joining us. And you know what to do. Got to hit the button. You got to talk to Earl. And then you can talk to us. And I feel like this is an episode where we might have a lot to talk about. <laughs> maybe maybe yes. a little bit i mean right. i certainly have a lot of thoughts and comments so yes you had reactions and i was very uh pleased to get your text reactions in the moment <laughs> to watching this episode it was great and apparently there is a video of your reaction to this which will never be shared with the world no one will see the light of it will not see the light of day no one will see it because we- i've discovered that i'm a very ugly crier <laughs> We all have photos and videos that that the world will never see. It's okay. I get it. I get it. Uh, But look, before we get to the recap and our discussion tonight, just a quick reminder of what's coming up this week on uh, Mission Log and your other Mission Log podcasts. So on Voyager, well, Mission Log, (laughs) the voyage continues with Voyager this Thursday with Warlord. Mission Log, the Orville and Mission Log Prodigy, both of those shows available on the Roddenberry YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Roddenberry Entertainment or Roddenberry Prod. So you can always check out the video versions of those and you can always get the audio version 
version on your platform of choice at podcast.roddenberry.com. Most recently with the Orville, you have uh, an interview, a very cool interview with Star Trek and Orville composer Joel McNeely. So go check that out. And uh, again, your choice, video and or audio, just go to podcast.roddenberry.com to get them all. And now I, you know, I feel like you just have to zoom right ahead and get right into this recap. So uh, if you'll allow me. Go for it. Here we go. Star Trek Picard, Season 3, Episode 5, Imposters. With Vatic in the rearview mirror, everything is totally cool on the Titan as repairs are underway on the trip closer to home. Well, it's cool if you don't count that Jack is having constant waking nightmares where he kills most of the crew. Also, if you don't count that Shaw is back in command so Picard, Riker, and Seven can face whatever Starfleet will dish out to them as punishment for the multitude of crimes that they've committed getting them here in the first place. Meanwhile, on Metallus Prime, Worf and Raffi have their hands full sparring and counting down to the next info drop from Starfleet Intelligence. They hit a dead end trying to get permission to enter Daystrom, and Sneed, well, he ain't talking. So, they'll need another underworld contact. That leads to a confrontation with Kryn, a tough criminal boss who happens to be Vulcan and happens to have the upper hand over Worf and Raffi when he shows up with a bunch of goons. After a required bad guy monologue about criminal enterprise and the death of Sneed, Kryn forces Raffi and Worf to fight to the death, and Worf dies! Back in space, the intrepid rendezvous with Titan sends over a shuttle, no beaming, with the officer who will interrogate Picard and it's Ro Laren. Excuse me, it's Ro Laren! Much to Riker's bemused surprise and Picard's abject shock, Intrepid's mission is partly to evacuate most of the Titan crew. Elsewhere, Seven helps Jack into hiding while Beverly Crusher tries to get to the bottom of how changelings keep passing for not changelings. They have gotten more sophisticated, maintaining their form, organs, blood, or something convincing enough. They could literally be anyone, anywhere, and Starfleet would have a tough time knowing it. Which brings us to Ro Laren's investigation of Picard and Riker for treason. There's not a lot of trust on the table, for good reason. See Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 7. Bev slips Picard a PM, reminding him to trust no one, and it's around this time that Roe wants to see some changeling remains for herself, but that's just a ruse before she pulls a phaser on the Admiral and escorts the two of them into the holodeck recreation of Ten Forward. That's when these two hold each other at gunpoint in total suspicion, and the raw nerves are exposed. Picard trusted her and was betrayed. Roe resented his mentorship that was based solely on his sense of duty. She broke his heart, and he hers. The weapons go down, and now Picard trusts that this is the real Roe. She has bad news. Starfleet is compromised at the highest level. Oh, hey, Worf's not dead, y'all. He was just pulling a die another day. He easily dispatches Kryn's goons and then pulls a knife on the Vulcan himself, who sings like a bird. He got past Daystrom Station's AI security measures with a handy little piece of illogical tech. Naturally, he'll hand it over to Raffi now to spare his life. 
Roe and Picard, having reached a personal and professional breakthrough, means it's time for Roe to return to Intrepid and leave Picard and a skeleton crew to run. Like, literally, just get the hell out of there while she buys some time. At a tearful goodbye, she hands the Admiral her Bajoran earring and then exits to her shuttle with her security detail. Okay, so this whole thing sounds pretty crazy to Captain Shaw when Picard says that, seriously, they need to step on the gas, but he doesn't need to wait long for confirmation of what's going on. Rose's security detail totally changelings. They planted a bomb on her shuttle, and they beamed away. In a last heroic effort, Roe pilots her shuttle into the port nacelle of the Intrepid to buy Picard some more time. Now, again, they really need to get out of there. Shaw hesitates, even as the Intrepid comes into position to fire torpedoes at the Titan, because somebody did make it look like someone on Titan is responsible for Roe's death um, during the delay. Jack has been spotted by two changelings who beam back over from Rose shuttle. They call for backup, but before they can do anything, Jack goes a bit Jason Bourne and wipes the floor with them. Four changelings, dead. That was an opportune time, finally, to have another one of those visions of creeping red vines and a red doorway, the kind that up to now has just been daydreams. At last, Shaw gives the order and Titan warps away to temporary safety until the next group hunts them down. With that downtime, Picard contemplates losing Roe, still not fully understanding his feelings. She may be gone, but she left behind something very useful, her Bajoran earring, which Riker immediately figures is a thumb drive containing all of Roe's investigation. There's a lot of virtual paperwork to sift through, but one file triggers a transmission, a call from Worf. Glad to see his old friends, but wondering where Roe has gone. In sickbay, Beverly examines the corpses of the changelings and then asks for a little one-on-one -on -one time with her son. She says she remembers a time when he was much younger, that he couldn't sleep, petrified by the nightmares he would have. He says he doesn't remember that time. And she then asks him how he knew he was facing down four changelings before killing them. He admits that he didn't know and that there must be something very wrong with him. The end. Oof. Heavy stuff, Holly. No. Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're not reliving Rose's death, are you? Well, yes. <laughs> okay. By the way, Scott Palm corrected me. That was an ear drive uh, that, uh, that Roe handed off to Picard. You know what's yeah. interesting about that earring, though, is that that's a Kira Norris earring and not a Roe Lauren earring. <laughs> are you serious? Wait. Are, her are earring was very – her Roe Lauren's earring is very different, yeah. Oh, wow. But, but Kira's is more recognizable because she was in seven seasons versus, you know, a handful of episodes. So Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a very cool bit of spy tech to have yeah. that be the thing. And um, uh, and why not? Like with, with the theme of hiding in plain sight, like they did with Jack, throw him right. in a Starfleet uniform. Why not? Like that is the thing that she always has on her. So. I. I knew that something was going to be going on with the earring when she was starting to grill Picard and mm -hmm. her hair was tucked behind her ear because I was like, where's her earring? Uh, mm. uh, and he pointed it out, of course. Uh, yeah. But yeah, he pointed mm. it out later, but I was already like, where's her earring? And then he asked. And I was like, yes, exactly. Do you, okay, <laughs> since we're on it, 
Do you want to go ahead and mention the earring story? Oh, yeah. I so think you should, yeah. My mother, who's... So I cosplay Ro. This is, I knew this was going to come yes. up. We have some pictures of me cosplaying yes. Ro. Um, my mother has been crafting basically all her life. She was my Girl Scout leader when I was a kid. Uh, one of my childhood bedrooms turned into a craft room. And one of the things that she super got into was jewelry making. And she, most of my cosplays, if there's jewelry involved, my mother has made the jewelry. And so she made my row earring. And we both studied it a lot. That's how when that's how I knew. Like when they showed the earring, I was like, oh, it's, that's a Kira Norris earring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, awesome. but I... I I love the character of Ro. I so I yeah I cosplay her, and my mother was involved in the costume, and I'm glad that she got a redemption arc. But I'm very sad that she's. You know, I believe as you were saying this about your cosplay, Earl has uh, just put up some pictures of you yeah. in cosplay, and it's so cool because yes, you are a great row and i mean you have so many great costumes anyway uh but i love that check them out for people yeah, who are watching us now i earlier. repeat row a lot just because she's one of my favorite characters so that i i've worn that costume several times yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> because it's i'm awesome. short because i'm short people ask me if i'm row from rascal rascals <laughs> like, no yeah. i'm 36 <laughs> i'm an adult <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty great. All right. Well, awesome story. Awesome pictures. Love that. Hi, Holly's mom. And uh, let's go to our first caller. And it's Chris who is standing by in 10 forward uh, where, I don't know, maybe he pulled a phaser on somebody interrogating him. I don't know. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah, I'm here in the, the obligatory uh, monologue room, as it yeah. should not be known. You have a monologue. You, you have to go down in 10 forward. I don't care where you are on the ship. You got to walk down there. Got to have your heart to heart. In the Always. 10 forward set. Uh, but no, I really like this episode. Uh, really cool to see Ro back. And rewatching it, I actually noticed, uh, like, I'll just call it like a rhyming thing that I think mm. there's actually a lot of similarities between Ro and Jack. And I think mm. sort of Ro dying is maybe like triggered something in the card. Again, they're both kind of like misfits and they're kind of on the outside and they both have a strong sense of like what is right and what is wrong. And I think this episode with Ro is maybe going to spur Picard to reach out to Jack more than he already has. Well, I mean, arguably, yeah. he knows Roe better than he knows his own son. Mm-hmm. Totally yeah. yeah, Yeah, absolutely true. Hey, as you were saying that, another thing that I just thought of, um, and as <laughs> I love this in the, in the chat, people were saying that, you know, it's the obligatory, uh, 10 Ford is the obligatory monologue room, or as Mark says, the exposition room as well. By the way, shout out to our friends over at Lambda Quadrant who say, uh, we love seeing Roe. We will have some very cool rainbow queer versions of the Bajoran earring at STLV. Cool. So that is very cool. Uh, Holly, if you can't make it, we'll make sure we get you one. All right. So, um, yeah, awesome to see everybody there and chatting. Uh, 10 Ford, I, I loved, well, okay, I, I take that back. I was a little ambivalent about the idea of 10 Ford being a physical place that was number 10 forward. Like I, To me, it was a little too on the nose, right? But then I warmed up to it because they used it a few times and it fit at least somewhat naturally into the show when we saw it last season. Now it's like, okay, we're spending a lot of time at the real 10 Ford early episodes and in flashbacks and we're spending a lot of time at 10 forward in the holodeck 
it's a lot of 10 forward. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder if they feel like we spent a lot of money on this set, so we're going <laughs> to oh, use oh, that's, it. That's absolutely it. It's, okay. We built the set for season two, and yeah. we're going to get our money's worth. Okay. Um, but it's, it's, a, it's a gorgeous set. And it's, uh, that's what I was going to say. Regardless <laughs> yeah. of, like, money aside, it's a very pretty set. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, you know, would you do that? Or, because... It, there was never the pretense in Next Generation. Ten forward was just deck ten forward. Yeah. That was yes. the whole point, right? So there was never the pretense like uh, maybe I would have been fine if it was named something else. And like, oh, we're going to recreate this thing in a holodeck because it has meaning to us. But every time now that it's ten forward, it's like <laughs> Lambda Quadrant. Ten forward feels like it's become the therapy couch. And <laughs> yeah, we thought the same thing about the set and the beautiful uh, pop up uh, in LA was fun. That was very cool, and that was the original set, by the way. Yeah. That that was the actual set as that pop up, which was very cool. And I would love for CBS to do that again. If you're listening, you know, so <laughs> yes, hearty seconds on that as well. Yes, yes. But anyway, but uh, I, I digress. I mean, it's a minor quibble to have uh, maybe something to me is a little bit overused, a little strangely it, out of place. It's the only place, like in both scenarios that we've seen, it's been Picard and Jack and then Picard and Roe. And the reason why they were in there was to have a private conversation because you can lock the doors, but then, you know, people yeah. waltzed in. So whatever. I, I think maybe if it was a little less on the nose, like if we establish that Titan has a bar, cause I just love that this is the thing now on ships, like Cerritos has a great bar hangout right. area. Um, maybe if we had one in Titan and then it became a thing like, Ooh, we need to go someplace. We can actually have a private conversation. Right. I have this idea. Boom. And then you get that. And then it has a little more impact as opposed to guess what gang every week, we're going to be in some version of 10 forward, you know, eh, I, your mileage may vary. I do love the set, but there's a lot of it. Um, what else, Chris, what else is on your mind tonight? Uh, no, I mean, this is just wonderful. I had, I, after the first time I watched it, I went back and I rewatched Preemptive Strike and a couple other row episodes. And uh. it's, it's really just a wonderful, like, through line and tapestry. Uh, like in the very first episode in Ensign Row, she says something to the effect of, like, I don't stay anywhere long enough to make friends. And I love that we come all the way here and he, she gives him the earring, like, this very yeah. full circle, like, growth. Type of thing that like you're gonna really make Holly cry, Chris. You're about to make Holly cry. <laughs> such an ugly cry. Okay, too. okay, we'll pivot. We'll pivot. We'll pivot. <laughs> um, okay, so to, to Rose's credit, she does slice her hand open, but she slices it like down here, like not yeah. all the way across her palm. So yeah. they're learning. They're learning. They are. They're getting yeah. better at that. Yeah, that that's that always bothers me. It's just like man, when they do the the hand thing, just like. Ugh! All the way across, and then yeah, that's she, that's she, no she was judicious about it. She was just like little, little, little Nick. Yeah, no, not like because the Clayons, man, they're always just like all the way across. Just yeah, and then you can't work for a while. I mean, that's just a way to get out of work, is what that is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, very well handled there. All right. Uh, well, Chris, thank you very much for your comments tonight, and uh, we will see you soon. Okay. All right. See you around, guys. All right, take it easy, man. All right, uh, let us go to our next caller here real quick, and that is Brandon 
Uh, speaking of calling from a bar, how's it going? Yeah, I was Brad? like, is he for real? <laughs> yeah. I'm very close to the camera right now. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to have your regular haunts, right? Uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mine would just be Musso and Frank behind me. But I, one day I'll just go do a broadcast from there. Maybe we'll do that. Uh, how's it going tonight? What is on your mind? It's great. Um, so uh, I was laughing, actually, as my wife and I watched this episode and the one previous because I missed last week. And I was like, I missed the one where I had like nothing to complain about. Um, <laughs> I, I wasn't able to to be part of the show. Um, I really liked a lot about this episode. I mean, um, I was super thrilled to see Ro again. I thought that was awesome. I was I was a little bummed that we got what I'm calling the Star Trek Picard member dead, um, which is where oh. they go. Remember Ro Laren? Yeah, uh, she's dead. She's dead. <laughs> yeah. You know, remember each Now you're going to make Holly cry. Okay. I'm sorry, Holly. <laughs> I, 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 yes, they, it's sort of becoming a trope and they do that and there's a level of nostalgia and then they stab you in the heart. But yeah. I <laughs> yeah. am very... I feel like that was probably part of the agreement because if you guys remember, Kieran Reese was supposed to be Roe yeah. and Michelle Forbes turned it down because she had wanted to do film. She didn't want to have the schedule of a TV show. Um, so maybe that was the agreement, like that she would come back if it was only one episode and they killed her off. And it's a, it's a, again, like I'm really sad that she's gone, but it, it's a gr- it was a, it's a great story arc for her. Oh yeah. I, I kind of wish that it had, we'd had a few more, at least one more episode because they were doing such amazing stuff with, I mean, between her and Picard, those moments and the way that they, so they told us in our, in the last episode, right? The way to, you know, really make sure that someone's not a changeling is to ask them something or talk to them about something that a changeling would have no way of knowing about. Well, you certainly can't test their blood anymore. You can't test their (laughs) blood anymore. You can't. I mean, I guess you could shoot them with a phaser, but that's probably a bad way to welcome people onto your ship. Um, (laughs) And so having this, this, this sort of rage therapy between the two of them, just letting them have this resent off that as they're doing it, they realize, (laughs) Oh my God. You're for re- It's like, good, it's you. I'm still pissed at you. But now there's also a measure of that relief that you're not actually a walking pile of murder goo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, I, I just really loved how they did so much of that. And I, I wanted, I wanted more row for this um for you know another episode i saw somebody in the chat said maybe you know there was some there was a period of time maybe she did something i hope so i hope that they're like oh by the way there was an escape pod on the shuttlecraft um so that happened and you know we get Mm. her back i feel like that kind of once you commit to the death that that weakens it a little bit if it's like just kidding yeah not even she died for a very good reason and it it redeems her in the eyes of a lot of people including picard well i mean picard's really the only one that knows about it but because everybody else is who knows where they are there's changelings everywhere right i that's why i'm okay with her death and and I'm grateful that she came back at all. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I have to say, this is a note that I uh, kind of took for myself here in one of my rewatches where I was thinking there are so many moments where either I feel like Star Trek 
kind of cheapens a death by bringing them back. Uh, Nick DeGood in the chat here says, uh, remember Worf? He's dead. JK, LOL. Uh, I mean, there was no build up to Worf. Like I flinched a little and I was like, nah. And then when they built it up with Ro, I was like, no, they really did kill him. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that extreme. And then there's the other extreme where uh, in Discovery, we do an episode where we're building up this character that has already been there, but we never bothered to flesh out just so we can kill her in that episode. And that felt forced and cheap to me too. My note to myself here was, if we're going to do this, if you're going to bring somebody back from Star Trek's past and give closure to their arc in totality, this is the way to do it. You know, really give it impact. Let it be somebody that we care about, but is just peripheral enough that it doesn't completely throw us off the rest of the story. Like they, they seem to have, to me anyway, ticked all the boxes here with something that is impactful, a character who's meaningful, has impact on the other characters like Picard. And I loved uh, his and uh, Riker's kind of back and forth about this. Um, in fact, I, I loved... I love Picard and Riker's. Uh, uh, Picard's sister Riker, she pulled a phaser on you, and uh, Riker just says, Well, Roe is always an outsider. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that, that's kind of a non sequitur, but kind of great, you know? Uh, and by the way, I can't resist, uh, Brandon, earlier you referred to the changeling as a walking pile of murder goo. That is the name of my Rammstein cover band now. So thank you for that. Thank you. I look forward to the first album. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Absolutely. Um, any other uh, thoughts or uh, comments tonight? Um, I mean, I just uh, I each time I see a scene with Shaw getting to the, the actor clearly loves yeah what he's doing. Todd Stashwick so, chewing that scenery. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, and just the way that we get to see him do that in this episode, where there's just that like. Very, he goes from being very somber to, oh, good, the ship's mine again. All right, I'm back. <laughs> yes. I yes. just love it. But you know what? Uh, so he was wonderful in that. Knighting Seven, that was just a hilarious bit of business that seemed totally <laughs> in character and totally seemed like something he would come up with. Um, but that moment of hesitation, mm-hmm. that moment at the end where he doesn't quite know what to do, I thought was awesome because every week we've seen these moments where Shaw gets to be a badass. He gets to sort of dig in the knife a little bit with Picard and Riker. And especially, I love the line about the chicken and the egg thing, (laughs) you know, (laughs) about every time they save the universe. Like there's some wonderful business for him doing that. But, that moment of hesitation, I just thought made him so much more real in that respect that, oh, maybe even if for a, a second, I'm thrown off my game. I don't know what to do. There are people here who probably do. You know, it, yeah. it just the layers and layers and layers on that guy are remarkable. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 any other thoughts tonight before we uh, go to a quick break and then welcome in our special guest? No, I was just going to say you're absolutely right. They 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 do know what to do. I mean, they've already th- hey, c- you know, compromise Starfleet. We've been there before. We know what to do. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Yeah. 
Indeed. All right, Brandon, thank Thank you you so much for uh, chatting with us tonight. We will see you again very soon. Take care. And uh, hey, before we welcome our very special guest, uh, a quick bit of business to take care of. Holly, uh, do you like a, a glass of wine every now and then? I am. I'm getting a glass of wine after after this show. <laughs> I bet you are. That sounds like a good plan. Uh, well, if you happen to be watching Picard and want to sip something theme appropriate, might we recommend Star Trek Wines and their lineup of Picard wines? Because, yes, they actually get the real wine from Chateau Picard, the real Chateau Picard in France. They put them in bottles that are not just in-universe. They are the bottles that you see on screen. So, uh, you could be very retro like me and get the 2221 vintage that we saw in Strange New Worlds, or you have the 2386 that we saw in season one, or the 2401 that you've seen since season two. And they are exactly what you see on screen. And by the way, they're doing a very cool thing right now where they have a four pack. It's two bottles of Chateau Picard. I think it's the 2386 and 2401 with the two varieties of Ryzen. So you have the rosé and the white and they are gorgeous and it's a special price on that four pack. All of it is limited edition. So go get it. And uh, even more important than that, you get something for free being part of our listenership. So if you go to their site and you add that cool United Federation of Planets medallion to your cart, and then you put in Roddenberry as your checkout code, guess what? That medallion is free. And then do with it as you will, because it's awesome and you can show off how proud you are to be part of the Federation. Um, Holly, any any wine notes for me, favorites. Well, David, David Takechi in in the chat is asking, has anyone tried the Ch- the new Chateau Picard? How is it? Yes, I've tried it, and it's delightful. There you go. That, that that's all the encouragement you need. So uh, StarTrekWines.com. Don't forget to add, and there's so much more there. I mean, there's Klingon blood wine. There's all the varieties of Chateau Picard. There's the Rise and the Canard. You want that Canar bottle because, again, it is sourced from the original. Uh, go get it. Go get it all. Serve it at your next party or just sipping it while you're watching Star Trek Picard. And remember to get that Federation medallion for free with our checkout code Roddenberry. All right. Holly, listeners, everybody, we get <laughs> to welcome our very special guest. I am so thrilled to welcome Jesse Earl to the show, who you may know by the screen name Jesse Gender on uh, Twitter and on YouTube, of course. Just has a tremendous following and does something that I think is so cool. Long-form videos that are analysis, discussion, and just beautifully woven context. But very about, well balanced, too. Yes, yes. You know, you and I were talking about this the other day in the office, and I said, yeah. like, you could so easily strawman an argument from one end of the spectrum to the other about complex issues in Star Trek, particularly around sexuality and gender. But what I love about Jesse's videos is just painting this incredible mosaic of all of that for us to enjoy and absorb so enough of my blowing smoke here is jesse welcome to the show well thank you so much that was really really sweet i really appreciate you saying that Uh, it it is absolutely true i i will find myself getting lost in your videos during the day i'll think oh you know what i i I need some inspiration to think about something for mission log and then two hours later (laughs) welcome welcome to my brain it's like a never 
never-ending train where I'll just keep going for for hours at a time. So I just welcome you into what I'm oh. thinking about normally. <laughs> Fantastic, thank you, and very well produced videos too. So that's thank the you. other uh, part of it. You 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 hit all the boxes there. I have so, to justify the Star Trek cosplay. So <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I write that off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, talk to us about tonight's episode. I uh, I've been in touch with you and said, hey, you know, we want you on the show regardless. And you're saying, okay, some stuff's coming up because you got to watch ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. Episode four, episode five. And I'm curious, where have you landed right now with our watch of Star Trek Picard? What is sticking out to you? What do you want to talk about tonight? Oh, gosh. I mean, there's there's so much. I mean, speaking of this episode specifically, which is the one that I asked you to come on for because I was so excited about Ro being on the show. I was like, oh, my gosh, I've been it's been difficult because I get the screeners and I knew about that weeks ago. And and props to you for keeping it a secret, though. (laughs) Man, I didn't know. It is so hard to just sit here and be like can we just get to episode five because i can talk about this um but yeah no it was i i have been really loving this season um because i feel like it's been a really nice mix of kind of all the different elements uh that i like about star trek both old and new it's brought in the the characters from next generation that i really like and a lot of that like nautical feel and like the the sort of like hope and and exploration that that all star trek has had but like was also very like very definitive in tng um and and sort of put it into this sort of like serialized storytelling that we've been getting in modern star trek that for me it's sometimes worked sometimes not um mm. and but i think it's been it's been really strong this season and then also just like adding in like cool stuff like changelings as soon as i saw that i'm like gosh dang it terry metallis you're a madman and i love you (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. well let me ask you about that then jesse Mm -hmm. your your fandom which stretches across all the series as most star trek fans do you know there are things that you love about all of the series and did you were you a fan who looked at Picard's season one and two and felt like, okay, they're trying to figure it out. Maybe they didn't quite land. They're trying to figure it out again. Maybe they didn't quite land. Is it this injection of TNG and DS9 love that's bringing it together for you? Or is it the character set? Is it all of the above? Like what, what's tracking for you here? I think what's tracking for me most, you know, my, my problem with seasons one and especially two, uh, but both I think seasons had this problem was that I actually really liked a lot of the ideas that the show had. I thought conceptually, like, especially in season one, like the idea of the Borg artifact and like the, the sort of de-Borging of people and, and the XBs, I thought was such a great idea. Um, the synths was such a cool idea. Like there were so many great world building elements, uh, that they went with and also like risky elements of helping being like a character centric drama on Picard rather than being like an ensemble piece. Um, I thought those were all cool concepts. Uh, but by the end of the show, they sort of like fell into more like blockbuster style storytelling of like everything needs to be huge and big and explodey and, and really needs to like always be like ratcheted up to 11. Um, and, and ultimately sort of like lost a lot of like the interesting pieces that they had, like the, the XBs in season one, uh, just completely get, get ignored after a certain point and characters just die really quickly. Like you just kind of yeah. casually for, for drama, quote unquote sake. Um, and season two, I think kind of doubled down on that a little bit for me where I like some of the ideas, but then it just ended up going nowhere. It felt like it, it had like, it would gesture towards ideas that it wanted to explore, but didn't really wish to go deep into them. Like the ideas of, 
uh, uh, like in season one, like how you can get to sort of totalitarian regimes through the uh, through the use of eugenics and, you know, sort of mm-hmm. the capitalist motive is that you see with characters like um, uh, uh, Brent Spiner's character. So I-, I think that that's or like even like ice, like they didn't really say anything with the uh, ice or immigration stuff. It just sort of like, oh, here's a horrible thing that happens. Doesn't really go anywhere or said anything about it. Right. What I'm thinking was working so much about this season. And I think it comes I think it comes out of the fact that we have these characters that we wanted to explore for so long um, uh, is I think there's a clear direction with wanting to say something specific about uh, about the story. Like this season for me has always been about uh, so far has been about uh, parent and children and passing things off to no pun intended, the next generation and how we mm-hmm. relate to those after us when we carry the traumas of the past. So you see things like Shaw sort of being this captain who has this trauma from Wolf 359. You have uh, the changelings themselves that we see as the bad guys here seemingly have some sort of trauma stemming from uh, stuff that happened in the Dominion War. They're a splinter group. But then you also mm-hmm. see Picard sort of passing off to his child and things like that. And so, so there's a clear like desire to push forward and tell a specific story. And I think that comes from the fact that these are characters that I think all of us, and I'm sure Terry Metalis and all the writing folks uh, uh, over there uh, have been thinking about for so long about where they've wanted these characters to go for forever. Right. Um, and I, I think that's where it comes from. I don't think it's, I think, don't think it needed to be this cast or TNG cast to do that. But I think because it is that, I think it's allowed a chance to really uh, give the series a voice that I don't think it's really had since season one or two. Yeah. Nicely said, and and you're getting a lot of comments here in our chat of people definitely agreeing with you <laughs> yeah, and yeah. your points. And and as you're saying that, I'm thinking, you know, maybe that's one of the things. I, my my worry, well, I had many worries with season three, um, and uh, one of those that we would get back into this format of a universe threatening. Uh, big bad whatever it might be and we just spend the entire season trying to do that and i there's a tone that they've hit with this season where the threat is out there we're still trying to figure it out but we've spent a lot of time with these one-on-one character moments Mm -hmm. and yeah i may have shared some reservations about 10 forward earlier in this show, but they have put that set to good use by bringing those people into this intimate space where they can just hash it out. And, um, or, or even just the dinner scene where we met Shaw, you know, again, an intimate space where people say what's on their minds and, uh, and they, they've really made the most out of those moments. So, uh, yeah, I, go think, ahead. I think that, I think that's where I think that's why it's, it's so resonating so strong with a lot of people like I'm I loved the like the conspiracy thriller vibe that we got with this episode. But mm-hmm. it's it's really the like moments between characters that are really selling for me. Even the new characters, like you said, Shaw or even Jack Crusher, like you really feel for them because we get moments yeah. to sit with them and it doesn't constantly get dragged into like we need to move. We need to get going and go into this next big blockbuster plot point that may ultimately go nowhere right <laughs> you know right. uh it, it's it's letting the characters drive the plot not the plot sort of like just drag us along and i still find that there are there are issues that i i see in this season that i think are are a problem that i've seen in like all of modern star trek especially the serialized uh live action shows like even discovery where there's there's some pacing things here and there like yeah we were stuck in that nebula for three four episodes <laughs> right um so i so i do think that 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 there's still those pacing issues with the grander story but I think that it's working better because we have the beats that are are slowing down and allowing us to like be with the characters and, and actually feel them. And I think that that's uh, 
uh, that's what's worked to me, for me yeah. a lot. I, I will give them this, even if we were stuck in the nebula, it, at least it was a few stories where the threat was immediate Different. and local, mm-hmm. as opposed to if we don't do this, then the entire quadrant implodes. Like, yeah. you know, it, at least I just felt like, oh, no, 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 I'm really concerned about what's happening on this ship right now. You yes. Know. And, and they uh, were all different, too. Like, again, it's not like, oh, we need to stop this guy from doing this thing. It was like the first episode was, uh, you know, we we have a moral dilemma. Do we give up Jack Crusher? The second one was how do we fight this um, this uh, this ship, the strike? Uh, and then the fourth one was like a very intimate personal one about like accepting, like possibly dying and sort of like ruminating on that and having moments to sort of sit and be in introspect. So like there's yeah. different emotions for each one. Yeah. I want to share a comment here very quickly before we go over to our next caller. And uh, oh, I missed it. There we go. Paul Wright, who <laughs> says, I've loved all of Picard. I still tear up whenever I hear blue skies. Oh, but I'm really digging this season. I'm just waiting for Jordy to show up. And you only have a couple of days to wait, my friend. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that'll be all right. Uh, Dave Taylor says, pacing has been the issue with seasons one and two. Lots of build up, rush to the end. I feel mm-hmm. you there. And I've definitely talked about that when we've discussed Discovery and some of the other shows on Mission Log Live. Um, and then Dave Takeshi says, this is an actor's season. The writing is very heavy on the drama of interaction and not so much exploration or world building, which I've been fine with. <laughs> yep. I really felt like that has been a strength. Uh, so let's welcome to the show, calling from the Cerritos, as he is wont to do. Alan, Alan, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? Hey, it is good to be here with all three of you this week. And me and my friends, first of all, we're here to remind you that any deck can be a bar scene if you try. (laughs) As long as there's a a replicator. Yes, yes. That is a good point. Yes. Sluncha. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. Well, what's on your mind tonight, Alan, about uh, about Picard? Oh, just... um, um, Echoing kind of the sentiments that that have been sort of running through the conversation so far. Um, if there is any question why they were willing to back the truck up on Deep Space Nine for Michelle Forbes, <laughs> I think we've found the answer. Uh. You know, um, I think ultimately she probably made the right choice for her career. But boy, it would have been great to get seven seasons more of Ensign Rowe. Sure. And her progression, but getting her to this point, it it almost feels like no time has passed. So, yeah, you know, kudos to her for bringing us back to bringing it back, you know, so quickly and and so uh, artfully, I guess. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, just just a great performance. And if you're going to have somebody go up against Patrick Stewart. Again, <laughs> uh, which seems to be the running theme of Picard, um, you can't go much worse than than her. So, well, I mean, you have to challenge Picard because sometimes yeah. his ego gets out of control, which <laughs> is partially their whole disagreement, right? Is because he was essentially upset that he stood up for her and that she made a choice and you disappointed me and you made me look bad in front of everybody. And Holly, like, now you're going to make yourself cry. Now you're going to make yourself cry. Did you think 
about what she wanted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love that it tied into that, like the ongoing theme of like, because Picard and Roe always felt like a parent child relationship. Uh, and, Very much and, like, so. Like yes. a surrogate daughter. Bit, yeah. And it fits into this whole thing of like, again, the next generation and like allowing uh, people who we, we, we teach and help grow to go and do their own thing and become their own people. Uh, I think is, is like, it was just cool that that tied in the theme also then tying in a natural way to the larger story going on with the conspiracy thriller sort of plot. Mm. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, I think from, yeah, from the very first episode all the way through the end of her arc on TNG, you know, much has been made about Picard not having kids, not having a family. I think he felt that she was his legacy, his successor, his protege yeah his protege mm-hmm. yeah uh before even doing the show tonight uh we were talking about that there was some commentary about uh, uh some people reading the picard row relationship as having a romantic element there um and i didn't see it that way i i just saw it as look they're sometimes people that you work with even in a professional environment you may have a more intimate connection with in some way there's felt a little parental certainly you know the the uh, protege mentor roles and i thought that was all fine i i i don't know am i missing something that other people are seeing i guess i mean you can there, I, mean, I mean there are people that i had somebody text me and was like can you can you remind me their actual beef? What did did they hook up? And I was like, no. Like he If anything, was, that's Riker. Right. I was like, no, she was she was imprisoned because uh, she disobeyed orders and uh an away mission went badly and eight eight, I think eight people died. So she mm. was court martialed and she was put into prison and she got out of prison having paid her dues and Picard stood up for her. She was assigned to the Enterprise. And then he he put his reputation on the line for her and she, quote unquote, betrayed him. So I, it, it's, I don't, I, but, but that's because I remember what happened. But I did, I did have somebody ask me if they had hooked up and I was yeah. like, oh, we're just, I feel like you need a refresher on what the <laughs> actual disagreement is because it's actually super heavy yeah Yeah. i think it might even come from like there's a scene in preemptive strike her last episode where like she and picard like are are like talking to each other in a bar and it kind of seems romantic but it's because i think of the situation because she's undercover at that point she's undercover yeah but it's like one of those scenes like oh i could sense some tension here but it's because she's undercover so yeah i always read it more as a is a a sort of surrogate daughter situation for picard especially given the power dynamic too it would have been a very very problematic situation if there was a romantic element for yeah sure, and for sure specifically she is undercover as a prostitute mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. again that's what you you know that's that's just a, a the nature of it you know that's the nature of her being donny brascoed in that situation so and again right. another fun star trek bar scene mm-hmm. yeah yeah there yep. you go uh by the way uh dave taylor says uh deck 13 all bars so yeah yeah just needed to know uh alan thank you as always and uh we will see you again very soon it's a pleasure uh jesse nice to meet you and guys we'll see you next week so have a good one take care friend bye -bye. thank you you. yep bye
couple more callers we want to get to tonight before we say goodbye and uh, calling us who, who, who had Worf with him yeah, earlier. Yeah, I saw Worf. It's, yeah, it's Cosmo. Cosmo, how are you doing tonight? Good. Uh, yeah, James wanted to share Worf. And I said, well, James, where's his... Uh, Caldrick. Well, yeah. the Borg is wearing it as a belt. <laughs> oh, well. oh, the Borg. Okay. So, <laughs> that, there, there's a whole thread... There's a whole thread in the Mission Log Discord about wearing the cheese grater and how you don't you don't countermand somebody wearing a cheese grater. So, yeah, he's got it. It's good. All right, Cosmo, uh, thoughts about this week's Star Trek Picard? I've just really been appreciating the writing. Um, Or when Roe first showed up, my head starts spinning and going, how is she back in Starfleet? And, And then. Two minutes later, Riker is saying, and Riker and Picard are having the exact conversation of the things I was just yelling at my iPad about. So, uh, and the same thing with the changelings. We, we were all saying, why are the changelings not turning into goo when they get murdered? They explained it this weekend. So things are paying off in a very satisfying and oftentimes logical way. And uh, I just appreciate that because um, that hasn't been the case in some other shows um and uh very interested to see what what's up with these changelings and uh, you know the changelings don't always revert to liquid when they die in deep space nine in a couple instances they turn to ash mm-hmm. oh that's right yeah yeah but holding their form so, like that and uh, holding their form either way holding their form is a new development yeah. or or you know crusher had said it's an evolution so and when the one morphed, it, it was kind of chunky. And that makes sense now that we've learned that it's got more biological stuff and it's not just the goo. So uh, props to the writing for that. And uh, I've been enjoying the pacing. I, I got a little tired of the nebula, but like John said, uh, there was a, an immediate danger and there were enough things going on that being stuck in the nebula was still interesting. And, um, you know, part of me is sad. There's only five episodes left. Um right. But if they try to stretch it out to 13 or 14, then we might be running into what other shows have where a story that should take 20 minutes gets stretched out to 90 because they've got to fill <laughs> 13 episodes. So uh, I'm just going to cherish this time with the characters that we have. And um, I'm loving every second of Worf and Riker. I think Frakes is so warm on screen and he's uh, such a wonderful presence. Uh, I've been enjoying that. And I hope Jordy's not too grumpy from the little bit of the trailer we've seen. He seems <laughs> grumpy. And uh, I'm, I'm a little tired of everybody being mad at, Picard, and that was what was so refreshing about Frakes there for the first couple episodes uh, was that he wasn't mad. Um, yeah. and, uh, and again, props to uh, last week. I complained a little bit about, oh, I wish uh, the marketing team hadn't spoiled Moriarty for us. They didn't spoil Roe, and Bro, everybody I, kept yeah. that. Right. That and the changelings. So that you know, props to everybody involved and all the the people who got the early screenings because uh, I did not see the changelings or row coming, and they were delightful surprises. This is why I didn't watch ahead. This, <laughs> you know, I, I, I will tonight. I, I'll watch six tonight. Oh, hey, hello, kitty. Um, uh, one thing that you were mentioning, uh, you know, we're talking about the use of row in those scenes and kind of the pacing and the action and. Uh, one thing that I really appreciate, and I pointed out on Mission Log a lot, is when a scene can effectively build tension. And 
it, it's so nice to me when I, those shots before they even got to the holodeck of just Roe trying to interrogate Picard, Picard trying to push back as hard as he could. They just kept ratcheting up that tension with every line. And I could have watched 90 minutes of that. I really could. I, that, that was so sharply written, so well acted. And again, that's the kind of thing I want to see when you bring back a character and make them count, not just bring back because, hey, look, and then throw them into an action scene and they're off. But all of it was so well earned. And, and I thought, I thought uh, it came out of like the characters. I, I, I love yeah. that the the reason that we immediately distrust Roe in the show is because she's not wearing her earring, which is something that, you know, is some, yep. a very, very classic part of her character. And so it, it, it builds upon our knowledge of the character to then play into the tension of the scene, yeah. which is, I think, very, very, very well written. So. And even just the scene with the blood, mm-hmm. like even just by her doing that, as we're seeing the scenes in sickbay with, well, they can pass, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. that throws that whole thing into question. So every layer of that beautifully executed. Cosmo, thank you so much. And one last uh, thing, I, oh, I please, love yeah. the, the little short scene with uh, Worf. The, the, that reunion, even though it was over a view screen, that uh, almost yeah. tear up. When he yeah. he's a captain, and that that I can't wait to see them get it in person. But that all these emotional uh, moments have really worked for me this season, and uh, so bravo everybody involved. Agreed, excellent. All right, well, uh, see if you and James can straighten out the action figure situation, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you soon. Okay, bye guys. All right, take care. Bye bye. And uh, let's see here. Welcoming into the show, it's Cherie. Cherie, Yay. how are you doing? There's something Hi. about uh, Hi. There, there was some fanning out happening in the uh, Earl Green room. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> nice. Poor Jesse was not safe in the Earl Green room. Oh, it was, was, it was absolutely wonderful. As someone who has both been fangirled at and fangirled at many people, I understand. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, what is on your mind tonight, Cherie? Ah, well, um, I was, uh, I knew when they like, killed Worf that he wasn't dead it just reminded me of the lower deck scenes where they're like they have so many redundant organs they didn't <laughs> even mention that kind of they That's didn't true. even mention that he mentioned that he had basically like done a Kalos thing where he like slowed his heart rate down and I was like what about the fact that you have two hearts like <laughs> we're right, not gonna just exactly. mention that <laughs> it's like oh, it's fine I have a backup heart <laughs> <laughs> yep good stuff what else? Uh, I wish that we'd had more time with Ro. I was excited to see her, but I wish that we'd had like one more episode build up of like before her her sacrifice. Like I get that, like you know, I I get why they might want to kill off her character, depending on where they're going with storylines and whatnot. But at the same time, like if you're gonna do that, if you're gonna bring back such a cool character. I would have liked a few more episodes. <laughs> I it's one of those it leads to that like larger conversation I was having with uh, some other people too about like uh, potential fridging situation. Which for for those people mm. who don't know, there's um fridging is a uh, trope that is uh, a woman character dying for a male character's motivation. Um, and it was it was an interesting discussion because I think like uh, you could make that argument here about like Rose sort of is dying to motivate Picard and also Shaw to realize that there's a problem. Um, but also too she's a character who has agency in that decision and fridge 
damaging is typically like a character getting killed off by someone else. Um, and you know, if Ro, Ro doesn't have complete agency. Obviously, you don't think she would have chosen to die at all, but she has some ability to choose her choice there. And also, I think it's a fitting end for her character too. Like her storyline gets to be kind of completed in this way and finally have revolution resolution with the card. So it's one of those like I think there's there's a discussion to be had about fridging and uh, like the desire for that not to happen to women characters, but something doesn't need to be essentialized as one thing or the other. I think it's like, it's interesting to talk about these competing feelings with, with, uh, with, uh, with storylines taking these route routes, which I think is, it's interesting. So I, I think right. we definitely would have felt that way if maybe if they just invented this mm, new character, you, you know, yeah. a, a Starfleet intelligence character who was a woman who came in and just did this for the next plot action to happen but yeah it, what we say we we've known roe and there was a resolution to her entire arc as well so it's yeah i i, I think it's absolutely legitimate conversation to have thank goodness they didn't just invent that character mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. would have felt very different um anything else on your mind tonight sheree um, I know people, a lot of people have complained about the swearing in the season, mm. um, and just in general in a lot of the newer shows. Um, and I just kind of feel like it's funny for me personally, cause I don't actually swear, um, generally in my normal life unless I'm in my car and in traffic and alone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but swearing actually doesn't bother me. I, I think particularly what I really liked was when um, uh, Picard threw um, Shaw's description of himself back at him as a DS from Chicago. Yes. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I feel like that is going to be probably a much longer conversation one day on Mission Log. Uh, we, we talked about it a lot in the early days of uh, Discovery when we had our first F-bomb in Star Trek. And, um, yeah, I I can't help but have mixed feelings um, while sitting here very understandably getting the different arguments of why this is okay and appropriate and also why some people may either take offense or... I don't see this as necessarily offense, but maybe creating a barrier to some other people who could and should watch this show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can see it many, many ways. Um, oh. I always want those moments to feel earned, though, and maybe that was a good earned one about being. I feel Chicago. like Picard's Picard's F on the season felt pretty earned. Yeah. <laughs> My my end on the spectrum is I I totally I, I'm kind of probably on the other end of you John but mm-hmm. still in the understanding area where for me I think you know I I swear generally a lot in my life not not in terms of like you know like cussing all the time but it's just it's something yeah. I do just part of my vocabulary yeah, yeah. um and I, I think that that's fine to show that I think um uh actual actually Michael Shaban the showrunner for season one actually made the argument that like swearing is just like a natural part of like how we talk to each other and, and yeah. can be used for punctuation or just could be used as yeah, how we speak um but that being said I'm with you and that I, I see the other arguments in the sense that like it could be a barrier to younger kids being able to watch a show with family when uh when you know if a parent feels that that's not appropriate for them that's yeah there's there's clearly discussion we had it's not a yeah. black and white situation so. yeah no and you know these shows aren't made for kids the way that say prodigy is Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i just i i wonder if there are people out there who would think like oh well this one's borderline for me oh but they said these things so therefore 
now they're just off the table for my mm-hmm. kids, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so who knows? But yeah, the certainly a different media environment than even 10 years ago. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. All right. Uh, Cherie, we are going to say goodnight so we can uh, fit in one more caller tonight and uh, pleasure to have you on as always. It was great talking to you, Jesse. Great talking to you. you, (laughs) See you soon. Bye. (laughs) All right. And uh, finally tonight from Lambda Quadrant, our friend Nikki. Nikki, welcome. How are you doing? Who knew you could jump on live? I was like, <laughs> right? excited. I was like, oh, I'm just going to jump on. I'm just going to jump in here. Yeah. First of all, Holly, we have we will make an earring specifically for you. We will save it for you. Yay! Uh, yeah, nice. it was, it was, uh, actually, Roe was one of the things that I knew a little in advance, too. And so I had to, like, prep our team. I was like, okay, you can't talk about this, but we need to be prepared to make these earrings because it's going to be important. So... We're super excited to be able to take any type of um, any type of prop or anything and make it queer, right? Like put rainbows yes. on it. And, no, that that earring speaks well to a rainbow too, right? And I got literally yeah. right here an earring right here. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> yes. Love it, love it. Um, I I mean, there's so many things that I could talk about. The this last episode was huge, um, emotional roller coaster ride. And a lot to unpack. I mean, I could talk all day long about how exciting it is to see Beverly Crusher science the science again in sick bay, doing an autopsy, right? Being a very profound uh, representative for strong women, women in command, and women in science. And I absolutely love that. But what I really wanted to talk about, because Jesse's on, and and Jesse, we adore you over at Lambda Quadrant. You know that. You're all, I, I already um, knew that. You're all wonderful. <laughs> I wanted to talk about uh, queer representation because we actually have a queer character played by a queer um, actor. Mm-hmm. So Jen Millay, who plays Esmar, Jin is non-binary and plays a non-binary character. And that's a huge, I mean, I know we have Discovery that has been, quote unquote, the queer track, but being mm-hmm. able to see it in other iterations and having it in a way where it's not used as deviance, it's not used as a trope, it's not, it's, it's used in a way that is normalized and it is actually represented by that actor mm-hmm. who, who, uh, is also non-binary is extremely important across the board. And so I love that they, I don't know if they set out to do that intentionally, but I love that that's there. And the the interesting thing is, first of all, I love all of the Titan crew, right? The Ashley's amazing. um, Stephanie's amazing. They're Todd's amazing. I mean, they're all phenomenal. I would love to see more out of them. If the powers that be would make a spinoff. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. We would all be here for that. <laughs> um, but I specifically loved Esmar's scene in the very beginning of this episode, mm-hmm. and how because and this is this is my take on it is because they are Hellean, and which if if people forgot in TNG season seven, not, I think it's season seven, Aquiel, right? Jordy mm-hmm. is the Hellean, and they are telepathic with with other Hellians, but they are empathetic with empathic with other humans and so i i hope that that's this very specific reason why esmar was the last one to kind of be consumed in jack's vision and is the one that says um i know what you are and then later you see it 
in their passing in the corridor and the look. And it was, mm. <laughs> it's it's things like that this is why i love star trek for for so many reasons it's like you get to have so many ways to do you get to normalize like non-binary people getting to exist in this future um you know if this was another franchise or this is just a single show i might even be like oh well it's, the non-binary character is great and i love seeing them there but they they are sort of like the secondary character. I would love to see like more like trans and non-binary representation forefronted. But then we have Discovery, which has trans and non-binary characters forefronted there. We have a non-binary over-the-top fun villain in Strange New Worlds, which is right. great to see. So it's like part of like we, trans and non-binary people and queer people generally just to like get to be part of every aspect of the story, both as forefront characters, side characters, villain characters. And that's why I love Trek for this. And then also we get to like talk about our, our own issues too in metaphor, like we've seen in discovery, but even this season with seven of nine, I think being uh, a great discussion of like dead naming and yes. of uh, 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 like yeah. using people like cause Shaw is quite literally dead naming seven. And we can understand that it comes out of a trauma that he's experienced, but we also can still like say he's wrong in that. So we can understand him. We can understand Shaw's pain, but we don't we don't uh, we don't let him get a pass for it, too. And so it's a very empathetic way of holding people accountable, but in a way that's constructive, which I think a lot of our discussion in our society today, too, is, is very punitive rather than trying to create conversations. And I love that Star Trek does that through like metaphor of seven of nine. I think my only my only uh, knock against the the season for using queer metaphors in that way would be like some the only way with uh with XBs sometimes with X Borg like seven is it's always generally framed as like, oh, we like you because despite your X Borgness mm -hmm. rather than what yes. makes what makes her what makes her being Borg uh it makes her special. And we get a little bit of that here and there, but it's always usually framed as like despite you being Borg, we still like you rather than like what what part of her Borg culture and 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 where she's grown up like you got to see with the XBs in season one a little bit like what's what is what is their society that they've they built together mean and again that's one of those like dropped threads from season one of Discovery or sorry Picard that I would have liked to see but generally on the whole I think Star Trek and Picard specifically has been really nailing it in all those aspects. I, I have to wonder, and like I said, I have not watched ahead, but uh, this is one of the things that come up a lot. And, and in fact, Cherie says something here that leads into a comment that I got from Scott Palm earlier. Cherie says, I was so excited to see Jesse that I forgot to mention the thing that did bother me about this episode. If Jack is a sleeper agent, which very much seems like he is, then this is the third sleeper agent plot <laughs> this show has done. And I think it's a bit much. Tying that into a board comment, Scott emailed me earlier and said, I think Jack was altered in some way. Obviously, the changeling, the sense, or whoever, I don't know. I've heard Borg mentioned as well. Uh, but I have noticed every time he has an episode, it's like programming takes over and he's controlled by somebody or something. They prevented him from leaving the Titan and they took out those four changelings with ease. So I don't know if there will be a little more interesting use if we go a Borg direction with that. Again, I don't know. Um, but th this is certainly something that is on everybody's minds because it leads into who Jack really is, what is sort of cooking underneath. Um, 
I did want to ask you, I want to come back to something really quick that you mentioned, and that was with Shaw deadnaming Seven. Uh, were you satisfied with the way that Seven reasserted her identity with him? Um, I thought it was a kick-ass scene. Oh, I loved that. I loved it because <laughs> yeah. it, it showed her getting to have agency in, in that. Like, I love that we get small stuff like way back in the pilot episode, or not the pilot, the season premiere, like mm-hmm. Picard recognizing that moment and him calling her Seven. And, and it's not a big deal. It's just yeah. the thing that he says. And we all get characters uh, like George Crash LaForge uh, saying, <laughs> like, uh, saying, calling her Seven, Commander Seven. Um, but then with Shaw, she gets a moment to say, like, no, it's Seven. It's a term of respect. Um, yeah. it's, it shows that you respect me and you have not been. Um, and I like that it was like a kick-ass moment that she gets to, like, she gets, as you said, assert herself and, and, and say, no, this is who I am. And that's how you show respect for me. Um, and I hope that, like, as the season goes forward, that, like, we get to see Shaw grow in that. Again, in, in a way that is, like, you know, it, it's not it's not letting him off the hook. It's yeah. saying, yes, you've you've screwed up, but in a way that doesn't essentialize him as that thing. You know, I think a lot of the when we, you know, we talk about things like transphobia or bigotry in terms of like, oh, you are a transphobe um, because our culture likes to essentialize people as one thing. Um, but I think, uh, you know, other than the most hateful of figures, I think the great the the better conversation to have is like how can we grow and try to see each other's humanity together um and hold people accountable for the pain that they have caused and the hurt that they've caused but not in a way that says you have to be this thing forever but how do we grow to try to see each other's humanity together nice uh, yeah. by the way uh richard in the chat says shouldn't it be commander nine i love that <laughs> yes. i love that uh nicely done and i'm sorry uh nikki last word from you yeah yeah i, I was just going to add on to what jesse was saying in saying and in, in saying that i and i hope that they do develop more with with shaw because it's almost like um someone who is an ally and wants to learn more and a, a queer friend or someone who respects them is politely correcting them or giving them grace in the space to kind of make a mistake and then correct them and then have them learn from from that mistake. And so I I loved that scene as well. It was it was very well done and that and that's what it felt like to me. Mm-hmm. Nikki, my friend, thank you for calling in tonight. You're welcome. Appreciate it. We'll see you soon. All right, take care. And uh, before we sign off for good, Jesse, I have to ask you, you know, part of the reason that we had you here is that uh, you and I were in touch with Dr. Aaron, Mm -hmm. friend of the show, and uh, there's a little bit to catch up with what you're up to, what's happening and where people can find you, etc. So give us the lowdown, please. Yeah, uh, I'll go with the, the normal stuff first and the cool, exciting thing at the end. <laughs> yeah, uh, but sounds good. If, if you like me, uh, if you happen to like this weirdo on your screen right now, uh, you can follow me at Jesse Gender on YouTube. Like uh, like John said, I try to do videos that uh, kind of talk about social and political issues through nerddoms and geekdoms. So quite often I talk about gender, sexuality, LGBTQ stuff, but I touch upon other social issues as well. And I try to use nerddoms and geekdoms as a, our guide. So I do that through Star Trek quite often because I'm a huge Trekkie, uh, but other ones as well. Star Wars and or talked about like social and political issues to that as well. And then I also talk about LGBTQ issues just uh, just in like a straight up forum. Um, and then if you if you want me to be a weirdo, I have a video coming out in two weeks. That's going to be me explaining all of Star Trek as simply as possible, which if you can Fantastic. if you can understand as simply as possible, <laughs> let's just say by the end of the video, I have a whiteboard. It looks like a conspiracy theory board and I've lost my mind. Uh, so it's a it's a comedy video. Yeah, and wait, it's, 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 um nice. but the so look mirror me there uh but 
The big piece of news is, uh, as you mentioned, Dr. Aaron is a mutual friend of ours, the Star Trek um, uh, scientific advisor for for all of Star Trek. Uh, she is absolutely fantastic and amazing. And we are actually working together uh, to do a short film uh, that is going to be a science fiction, uh, a science fiction cyberpunk short film with Nebula, which is a streaming service I'm on. Um, and she is my producer. She's doing uh, absolutely amazing. And the story is literally going to be uh, talking about uh, near future where Everyone exists in a online digital universe where we don't get to express who we are, but we all become, uh, you know, have to use identities uh, that are chosen for us by big corporations and things like that. So it's a it's a film about how do we as human beings express the totality of ourselves when we literally have to exist in digital universes that never allow us to be our full selves. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it should be wow. should be uh, it's going to be fun. It should be comedic, but it also is hopefully going to touch upon issues that are relevant to me, but I think to to everybody in some way, shape or form. And also, if you're a Trek nerd, Dr. Aaron's on it and uh, hopefully uh, other cool science fiction folks that uh, you should be excited about. So there you go. Awesome. And where can people follow everything that you're doing? Uh, like I said, Jesse Gender on YouTube and then Twitter as well at Jesse Gender. And then um, if you want to follow everything, I have a Patreon as well that gets you get you all my stuff that supports me go. as well. So, yeah. Patreon.com slash Jesse Gender? I believe so. Okay. So <laughs> find it, folks. All right. Excellent. Holly, uh, final thoughts tonight? I'm sad, bro. <laughs> I'm sad about bro. That's what um, I thought would happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great conversation tonight. Uh, I'm, you know, didn't. Uh, it never goes in the direction I think that it's going to go, but it's always it great. Does. That's why we do it live, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and with that, Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Technical production on Mission Log and Mission Log Live by the indubitable Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from Roddenberry Podcasts. If you would like to support Mission Log directly, give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log. Special thanks to my co-host, Holly. You will be back next week with Norman. Thanks to everyone who joined us live or later. And we look forward to reviewing the next episode of Star Trek Picard with Holly and Norm on Mission Log Live next Monday night. This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.